This is another episode of Big Ten Spotlight. We got Deion Thomas, the all-time leading scorer in Illinois, fighting Illini history. I am Aaron York. I just watch these games on TV, but sometimes I feel like I'm playing in the game because we had to, we had a couple of real nail biters, real games where you're sweating on the couch just watching them this week. So that's where we're going to start, Dion. We're going to start with these two incredible games where we had one where, well, both games featured powerhouse teams going up against NCAA tournament hopefuls, bubble teams that were really, every game they're scrapping, clawing, looking for victories. The first one featuring Purdue trying to avoid a sweep at the hands of Northwestern, an unlikely sweep they lost in Evanston. Purdue did back in December. Yeah, And now they almost got upset at home, but Zach Eady, just too big, just too strong. He ends up with 30 points. He scores 10 of them in overtime after Boo Booey, who was just incredible with his three-point shooting. He missed a runner at the buzzer that would have given Northwestern an incredible win to their resume. We didn't think they could erase that terrible Chicago state loss, but they might've accomplished that if they had become the first and only team to win at Mackey arena as a road team this season, a boo booey that attempt just fell short and Purdue took advantage with a dominant performance by Zach Eady after the uh, Northwestern had seen Matt Matthew Nicholson foul out. They saw uh, Luke hunger foul, foul out and there was just no, no one who could stand in Edie's way the rest of the way as he scored the first 10 Purdue points in overtime. They end up scoring more than 20 points in overtime. They end up coming away with a a big win for them. Northwestern still in decent shape, but they could have been in much better shape if they had pulled the game out at, if they had pulled that game out at the buzzer in regulation. So so uh yeah, how do you what do you take away from that that incredible incredibly inciting game where both teams are shooting 58% from the field? Just an incredible offensive display Well, first teams. and foremost, um Northwestern is a tournament team. I mean, yes. even with that terrible loss to Chicago State, they, they're a tournament team. I mean, they've beat uh Purdue on their court, they beat Illinois on their court. Um, they have some good wins other than that to back them up, but that's two top 10, top 20 wins, you know, so they, they're in the tournament for sure. Uh, now where they'll be seated or where they'll have to travel to is, is something different, but you know, that was an amazing game. Um, both of those teams came out and I don't know what it is, man. Northwestern has the number of Purdue, um, you know, last year they beat them when Purdue was ranked number one this year, the same thing both games up in Evanston, and then they travel to West Lafayette and gave them everything that they could handle. You know, you mentioned Boo Booey. Boo Booey is one of the best guards in the country, and, and anyone that does not understand that has not had an opportunity to watch this Northwestern team operate. But Ty Berry, man, he put up 25 as well, 6 of 9 from the 3, this is a very good three-point shooting team from Northwestern. They showed that, and they played their tails off, man. This is a very good um, defensive team as well. Uh, may not have showed it, given up 105 points, but when you get 30 of those to the biggest and the, probably the two-time player of the year, um, Zach Eady, you, you can't be too upset with that. But 
this Northwestern team is is really good. They're stout. You know, Illinois beat them by 30 in Champaign and then turned around and lost to them by five in Evanston. Um, this is a team that has a chance to to really make some noise um, on doing that first weekend um, in the tournament. But let's get back to this game, as you mentioned. Zach Eady, huge game. You know, and when you have your big fella going eight, uh, I'm sorry, going 30 points, 15 rebounds. Now, the shocking part was the big fella missed nine free throws. He normally yes. never misses free throws. Yes. I mean, he's a high 70% free throw shooter. Uh, so it was a little surprised to see him go uh, to miss as many free throws as he did. But you know who I would actually like to tip my hat off um, to in that game? Because you expect that from Zach Eady. My next guy – Lance Jones, man. Yes. You you brought Lance Jones in to really be, I won't say that guy because that's Zach's job. And then you have Lawyer and Smith who were who are always one and two last year's freshmen who have turned out to be two uh great sophomores right now. But you brought Lance Jones in to you know be that next guy if he could be to give you some athleticism to give you a defensive presence to give you another offensive punch you know and that's exactly what he did man i mean transfer from southern illinois man like like out like the transfer at illinois with marcus damask has really shown and proven that their age and their time at southern illinois has really been uh great for them and Lance Jones came out huge night, five of seven from the three-point line, man, eight for 14 from the floor overall, put up big-time numbers, did a great job defensively. And you're right. You got to take your hat off to the Boilermakers for having intestinal fortitude, which I am not surprised. This was two great coaches. And these teams follow the characteristics of their coaches. And they both can, you know, had a great game that you know I truly enjoyed watching. Uh, and Purdue was able to pull it out, man. I mean, Zach Eady, like you mentioned, in overtime, really went to work, you know, and, and you think he was player of the year last year with that Naismith trophy? Having him have a few more games like this. I don't know who they could put in front of him, to be honest, because Big Fella's doing work every single night. Yeah, it's, it's been incredible to watch. Not only does he have the post moves, he's got that turnaround hook shot, but – He's also got a pick and roll game where he was able to dunk, I think, two or three times in overtime off of that. And then he's got the offensive rebounding where even if there's no play, he he grabbed eight offensive rebounds in this game, which turned out in an overtime game, that's going to make the difference. You get eight, eight extra possessions. And of course, once he grabs a rebound, he's right there to put it back. So there's just literally so right there. there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said literally right there. He yes. Didn't have to jump. Much yes. As, <laughs> yeah. Literally right there. And uh, one other player I wanted to mention, you talked about Lance Jones, amazing shooting. And it, what was really impressive. Well, I wanted to get to Braden Smith because he had 16 assists yes. in this game, yes. including the one that helped put the game away in overtime where he drives to the hoop, draws three defenders to him and then finds Fletcher Lawyer wide open for a shot that put Purdue up 96 to 90. He just created a little distance that they needed to finish off the Northwestern team that just kept coming and coming. Yeah. And 
Uh, Northwestern is just going to go far. If they can keep shooting like this, they do a good job protecting the ball. They don't turn the ball over. So when they get their shots up and Bowie and Ty Berry are shooting like this, and in this game, they knocked down 14 of 27 three-pointers, so over 50% with Barry and Bowie contributing to almost all of that. They are going to be really hard to beat, and they have a chance to upset a team in that Whatever. they might not need to upset a team in the first round. They might be favored in the first round if the tournament started today, but in the second round, that can be a major factor when you if hot, sh- hot three-point shooting can always lead to upsets. So that's Obviously, something to keep an eye on. And, yeah, I was just impressed by how Smith, in this game, he was mostly a distributor. Against in the Rutgers game that they had to grind out on Sunday, he was more of a scorer. He was able to get to the basket. He had a big driving layup late to help put Rutgers away. And then Lance Jones, he's just – he's like a chameleon in the way he changes his roles because usually we just see him knocking down three-point shots and being a spot-up shooter like he was – in this game against Northwestern, but then the Rutgers game, he grabs 10 rebounds. He's handing out eight assists. So he almost had a triple double, except he only scored four points because his, his, his shot was not falling. Something about that gym Jersey Mike's arena is just impossible to shoot in as, uh, as we saw after this game and that, that ugly Penn state Rutgers game, but Lance Jones could not find the shot uh, in New Jersey, but he still finds way to help. I think he had five steals, including a yeah. big one where, he was, he was stealing it in the backcourt, and he got his only field goal in that game that way. So I just think that's really interesting how Jones can go from being a spot-out shooter one game to being a guy who's stealing the ball, rebounding, passing the ball against Rutgers. He only, his shot was terrible, and I, I was almost more impressed by that performance at Rutgers. No, he, he makes – Lance Jones makes game-winning plays, and, and that's the only way you can really describe what he is, is he makes game-winning plays. He does what's necessary for this Purdue team to be uh, to win, you know, whether it's rebounding, assisting, scoring. I mean, he has the ability to do it all. This is a young man that can score from all three uh, all, all three areas on the court. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, you have to take your hat off to him. And you talked about a possible upset, you know, being Northwestern. Northwestern can beat anybody in the country. They do not beat themselves. They're very similar in that way to this Purdue team. They do not beat themselves. They're like machines. They just run and run and run and run. You know, it's almost like a good car. You keep putting oil in it, you keep feeding it, and it just keeps running. And that's what both of these teams do. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't make a lot of errors. They can shoot the slither off the doggone basketball. <clears throat> and when you have a guard like Boo Booey or an interior player like Zach Eady, you always got someone that can give you a basket. These two teams are going to be dangerous in March. Yes, indeed, they will be. So let's get to an even maybe an even crazier game that we had last night in Lincoln, Nebraska. For a minute there, they had us fooled. It looked like Nebraska might finally drop a home game, but nope, they overcame a 16-point halftime deficit. They trailed by as many as 19 in the first half, but they still they come back, they force overtime, they win it in overtime. And it was just a wild back and forth game because even after Nebraska tied the score on a CJ Wiltshire jumper with about 840 to play, Wisconsin bounces back. Max Klesmick comes out of nowhere, goes off. He scores 11 points in about four minutes. Wisconsin goes back up by seven. It looks like they have the counterpunch that they need to win. But then we see Rianke Mass, the big 
big man from Finland. He hits a huge step back three pointer to tie the game. And Nebraska ends up taking the lead on Bryce Williams' free throws. A.J. Storr, who had a, another big scoring night, he is turning into a bigger and bigger force for Wisconsin every game. He hits a driving layup going right at Mast to tie the game. But then in overtime, it was Mast and Nebraska who had the last laugh. Mast hitting Juwan Gary in his return from injury with a beautiful backdoor pass. And Gary finishes that with a three-point play, and Nebraska mm-hmm. goes on to win a wild one, 80-72. to 72. So what do we make of this Nebraska team? It looks like they are solid for the NCAA tournament, but do we think – are we concerned because they're not going to play the Big Ten tournament in Lincoln? They're not going to play the NCAA tournament in Lincoln. What do we feel about this team only having – being a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde when it comes to playing at home and playing on the road? Well, that is definitely one of those uh, things that Coach Hoiberg is going to have to finish uh, figure out. He and his staff are going to figure have to understand or, or devise a way to get these guys to understand that they can win on the road at home. They are unbelievable. You and and you said this, and they they come out in waves and they just keep fighting. They just keep scrapping. I think they do the same thing on the road, but it's not to the same level or intensity. Um, last week they had Nebraska, you know, all of the NCAA experts had Nebraska on the bubble. Uh, I think this puts Nebraska firmly in the tournament because uh, I believe they're going to finish the season with 20 wins, you know, and you have to take your hat off to Fred Hoiberg. Coach did his thing, bringing in the right players, bringing in Mass. We talked about Williams and the other guys, you know, keeping Kise Tomanega around. I know he didn't have a, a big game the other night, but that's the life of a shooter. What you want to see is guys be able to step up and do their thing. Mass and Williams had huge games. And that's not mentioned, and forget to mention Wilshire. Wilshire dropped 22, 7 to 10 shooting, 5 for 7 from 3. This is a team, and you talked about the three-point shooting. If they can get going from three, they, they can beat anybody in the country. And they showed that last night. Um, Wisconsin is a very good team. And, you know, again, we talk about teams that don't beat themselves. You know, that is not something that uh, Wisconsin is going to do often. But there was a good side of this, and I'm going to pay a little homage to uh, Nebraska. Northwest, I mean, my, uh, Wisconsin doesn't turn the ball over. They forced right. them into 16 turnovers last night. For and anyone that doesn't understand, that's a ton of turnovers for Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Never see that. You never see that from them. No, Klesmit, you know, and it was on their guards, you know, and people that are that they rely on to hold the ball. I mean, to take care of the ball. AJ Store had five. Klesmit had four. I mean, that's 10 of those 16. I mean, nine of those 16 turnovers right there. When your two um, guys that you depend upon are turning over the ball, that's going to cause some issues for you. Nebraska was able to get them to give up the rock. And, and to turn it over. And then, and, you know, anytime you're doing that, and then you got the guys on the other side that are making threes, that are making baskets, as you mentioned, Mass's big step back, uh, knocking down a three, which I'll tell you, big fella's going to give a lot of people the flux. You know, they play Illinois this weekend. So it's going to be a, it's going to be great to see Mass go up against Coleman Hawkins. They're very similar in how they play. Neither one of them is a really, I'll say, dominant post player. 
They're more guys. They're more stretch five, stretch four type players. So it's going to be really interesting to see in that game. But you got to take your hat off to Nebraska, Coach Hoiberg and his staff. The grit they played with to come back from being down double digits to a team that limits, that does a great job of limiting scoring opportunities to be able to come back and win this game. I mean, it's impressive, highly impressive. Yeah. Yeah, I was super impressed with Nebraska. I was really impressed they were able to do it with, with Tomanaga not contributing. He is, he's been in a slump lately. His last three games, yeah. he's been under 10 points, but Nebraska has won three of their last four because they are getting it. They are, they are deep, especially now with Gary back. They get scoring from Bryce Williams, Rank Mass. He was very quiet against in the loss to in the road loss to Maryland when they turned back into the sad road Nebraska, but against Ohio State. And this game looked like a fluke when it happened. He scored 34 points and knocked down six of eight three-pointers in the home win over Ohio State. And that looked like a fluke. But after this second half and overtime performance against Wisconsin, we're thinking maybe Mast is just coming into his own. He is he is a, a transfer into the Big Ten. He's had some double-digit scoring games before, but now he's looking like he really could – be a major factor in Nebraska's quest to reach the NCAA tournament. So he's definitely a player to watch. And now let's talk about a another team that has improved its NCAA tournament chances, although they are not in the field yet, according to the pundits, and they just got a win over Nebraska, but we're not super impressed because it was a home win over Nebraska, but it was still, it was a butt kicking. They were talking about Maryland. Maryland yeah. has won now two in a row and they beat Iowa on the road. And that was last, that was two Wednesdays ago now. And then on Saturday, they destroyed Nebraska and finally, finally got some scoring from their bench and got some three point shooting because Maryland has just been terrible at shooting the ball. They've had to rely on their defense, and they've had to rely a ton on Jameer Young and Julian Reese. When he has good game scoring inside, they've been good. And when he's been quieter, they have not been so good because just so much has been on Jameer Young's plate. But in the win over Nebraska, look who comes and shoots the ball. It is Jamie Kaiser hitting four to five threes. And Jahari Long, who we haven't heard a lot from, hits three out of four three-pointers. And just getting that kind of shooting and getting that kind of bench play to support Young, who has played like a superstar, he's been uh, he's been a boo booey type player for Maryland, except with less help. But now that if they can get more consistent play from these role players, Maryland could make a run. They're five and five in the conference. They had they didn't get a lot done in the non-conference, so they need to pick up some more wins. But with a whole yeah. month to play, there's plenty of opportunity. So the question for Maryland is: they have a Tough road game at Michigan State coming up on Saturday. Do we think this Maryland team can keep it going, or is it just going to be Jameer Young having to play hero ball, which we saw earlier in the season? Well, Maryland, you know, at the beginning of the year, you and I talked about this, and we felt this team has, and I still feel that they have underachieved. But here lately, as you mentioned, uh, they go on the road, they beat Illinois, they go on the road, they beat Iowa, 
they're at home, they beat Nebraska, you know, with a loss to Michigan State by two points at home um, sprinkled up in there and and a loss to Northwestern by three points sprinkled in there. My point is, those are two um, really good teams, Northwestern and even Michigan State, good teams. So you lose single digits to them, but you get three wins against three tournament teams um, on your own. So do can they get to the tournament? Yes, I think they're going to have to, you know, go into they're going to have to go into East Lansing, play Michigan State. They're going to have to win there. You cannot drop the ball against Rutgers. You have to go into Columbus, Columbus, and beat Ohio State. Then they get Iowa to come back home on Valentine's Day and, and uh, College Park. They're going to have to win that game. And then following that, they have Illinois, and then they have Wisconsin. If they can pick up a win against Iowa, Illinois, Wisconsin, and then they still have a game against Northwestern, I think they can get into the tournament. Now, that's a tall that's a tall stretch. You know, if they can get half of those games and then make a good run in the Big Ten tournament, I think they could still um, have a have an opportunity to get in there. You mentioned Young, one of the best players in the country. Jameer Young has been lights out. Uh, he had, you know, for a young man that primarily goes left, uh, nobody stops him going left. He gets to where he wants to, has an extremely nice step back from three, really nice mid-range game with a floater as well as a pull-up game. You know who needs to step up a little bit? Dante Scott needs to help. Yes. For the past few years, he's been one of their best players. This year, he's, he's dropped down. I don't know if, if there's some injuries or what's going on. He has not played like his normal self. And Julian Reese needs to continue to play. This young man, I've watched him since his freshman year, do nothing but get better and better and better every year. Needs to be more consistent. I think that's the area where he is struggling a little bit is, is his up and downness. I mean, he had a dominating game in Champaign against Illinois. And then the next game he came out and it was a, it was a good game, but not like that, you know, like he, he you know, like he played in Champagne. So if he can get going, keep it going, Dante Scott can pick it up. And like you mentioned, some bench guys come in and play and they start to knock down some threes. This is a team that can be dangerous and that could possibly scare some people uh, moving forward. Yeah, I love that you mentioned Dante Scott. He's been inconsistent this year. He's had a couple games where he's knocking down three pointers and giving them that secondary scoring, that three-point shooting that they've lacked for so much of the season. Yeah. And Julian Reese such a big part of them being one of the best defensive teams in the country, and, and that defense is what's, what's kept them afloat as the offense has sometimes been ugly this year. But I'm really looking forward to see how they look in East Lansing against Michigan State on Saturday in the early evening. That is going to be a huge game for Maryland. It's going to be a game where they're going to, they, I expect them to be pretty big underdogs, but you know what they say, they say this mostly in football, but I'm going to apply it to basketball defense travels. And when defense travels, you can give yourself a chance in any gym. And if you don't turn the ball over against Michigan state and they don't get out in transition, which they're so, which they're so good at, then Maryland's going to have it. Maryland's going to have a chance. We saw them beat Illinois in Champaign. So that's got to give them confidence that they can win almost anywhere. 
And that game I could see being not the prettiest game, but I could see it just being a grind fest. That's going to be a dull fight. It's going yeah, to be a dull fight. Yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not going to be pretty. It's good. Yeah. And anybody that think it's going to be pretty, then you need to turn to watch another game because you have two hard no teams. Both of them are five and five. Both of them are 13 and eight. And they both know that their tournament life depends on winning um, these games, especially Michigan State at home. You cannot lose to Maryland at home. So, Definitely expecting these two teams to come out and play and play hard. Got some great games coming up tomorrow. You know, I got Ohio State who, you know, sometimes looks really good. And then other times they don't. They get to go into Iowa City and play Iowa. That'll be an interesting um, game. Ah, if Iowa can defend, they can make, they're going to try to outscore you. So Ohio State will have their chances if they defend and they make some baskets they'll have opportunities to be able to win that game. And then, of course, Sunday, we got some good games on Sunday. You got Illinois, of course, is going to <clears> – <throat> excuse me. Yeah, Illinois playing Nebraska and Champaign, uh, Northwestern and Minnesota, as you mentioned, Maryland and, and Michigan State. And then, you know, your team, of course, goes into Bloomington to play, <laughs> play Indiana. I don't know. They might be racing for the NIT. Yeah, yeah, the NIT is – I'm not even thinking about any postseason tournament. I'm just thinking about building culture under Mike Rhodes and building some wins. Agreed. The win against Rutgers was nice. It was ugly. I'm going to be ready for, for any kind of dogfight, Maryland, Michigan State, whatever, because this game – Penn State did what they do. They forced a lot of turnovers against Rutgers, but then they turn around – and instead of points off of turnovers, they were getting turnovers off of turnovers and just kept giving it to Rutgers. But Rutgers couldn't do anything. They could, they they missed a bunch of layups on fast breaks. Rutgers only hit one three-point shot the whole game. So Penn State just grinded it out. I'm proud of how Ace Baldwin Jr. and DeMarco Dunn, with Dunn filling in for Kanye Clary, who's got a minor injury. Hopefully he'll be back soon. But I'm proud of how they, the backcourt played. That's what gave Penn State – the edge ends and they limited Cliff Omarui. I thought he was going to dominate the way Penn State has struggled to rebound. I thought Omarui was going to have a huge game, but they limited him to about eight points and fewer than 10 rebounds. So I was really impressed how they handled him. This was a, a good win for Penn State and we'll see how they are in Bloomington. Malik Rainu just got hurt. Uh, Xavier Johns just got hurt. Kal- Kalel Ware is, uh, had a monster game in his uh, first game back from injury in that big win against Iowa. So it's not going to, it's never easy in Bloomington, obviously, but Indiana is going to be shorthanded. So I think Penn state, we, uh, we have a chance. chance. Yeah, we have a chance. And that brings us to the big one Sunday, CBS, just a classic showdown. We got Purdue going into Madison and, Clearly the two best teams in the conference, even though Wisconsin just whoa, lost. Whoa, whoa. Oh, you're going to say Illinois. Oh, Illinois is number three. Come on. What? Three? Three Come in the on, conference. Man. Two in the conference. I, Wisconsin. Right, well, maybe we should have Wisconsin-Illinois play instead of Purdue. Maybe we should oh, have yeah, Wisconsin-Illinois should play up. instead. It's coming yeah, up. Yeah, that's going to be a great game, too. Uh, that's going to be a great game, too. Hey, T- Terrence Shannon, he looked like he did return to form in that last in that last win against Ohio State. So, uh, so yeah, yeah him and Damascus going win. at the same time, it's scary. I, I just like was I like Wisconsin a little better right now, but yeah, it's it's close. You're right. You're right. It's close. <laughs> I mean, maybe I got caught just looking at the AP ranking. You can't trust the AP rankings. Wisconsin, after all, was a 
slight, technically a slight underdog, even though Nebraska rushed the court. So, you know, and that's that's one of those things, you know. And I know this it wasn't supposed to be one of our topics. I, I love that the fans get the are so passionate about their teams and and uh, that they they want to celebrate big wins. I get that, but watching them do that took me back to the um, Caitlin Clark incident when the young lady oh, ran into Caitlin Clark. That was not good. You know, you you've had coaches around the country. Um, complaining about this, uh, I mean, for years. It's gotten a lot louder this year. Um, you know, it, it's going to take someone running into someone and one of the better players in the country tearing a knee or, you know, taking a shot. And, I mean, the way her and that young lady collided could have broken a rib. Yeah. It was, could have yeah. really, really put uh, that young lady in their season uh, in jeopardy. I don't know what they're going to do about that. It's above my my pay grade, so not one of those things I have to be concerned about. But I really hope they do something because, you know, got to protect the players in that situation. But you're right, though, man. You got three of the – you got three, maybe possibly four of the best teams in the Big Ten going at it on Sunday. Um, how does how does Big Edie go in and play being dragged away from the basket by, you know – Purdue, I mean, by Wisconsin, because, you know, they could shoot the three up there. That's yeah. one of the things that they do. You know, you you drive through Wisconsin, you see, it's like Indiana, you see basketball um, ribs, <laughs> you know, nailed up against the barns and everything else. So, you know, very good players up there. And you're right, they, this is a very good team. So two colossal games on Sunday, one that Illinois cannot sleep on because if Purdue um, – you know, prevails in that game, then you got a tie for second place between Illinois and Wisconsin leading up into their games. Of course, they got a few games in between, but leading up into their games. And then, <clears throat> so yeah, I'm like, Sunday's going to be exciting. Uh, I wish I could watch the Purdue uh, Wisconsin game, but I'll be in Champaign broadcasted Nebraska game. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is a shame. I mean, hopefully it ends early enough. You can catch some of it. It is going to be a good one with Wisconsin being at home and they're coming off a loss and Purdue yeah. just coming off that over. I mean, they're both coming out off overtime games. So yeah, yeah it's going to be super interesting. I cannot wait to see it. I cannot wait to tune in on CBS on Sunday as for rushing the court. Yeah, it, it does. It can lead to some scary situations. The important thing is the fans, if you do it as a fan, you assume the risk. The important thing is for the arena security has to protect the players because those yeah. they aren't assuming a risk. They're just trying to get to the locker room and get to the showers. So those are the people who need to be protect, protected. If security can figure out a way to keep the players out of it and protect the players, especially if you have like in the Nebraska game, they knew they pulled away in overtime, so they knew it was coming. The fans started moving up to the court. When you have a situation like that where you know it's know it's coming, then you should be able to have security in place and get all the players behind security or do something to where the fans can still have fun and you can still keep the players safe. That's what I think. I don't think you, there needs to be a compromise where you need to ban storming the court. I think if you have security measures in place, you can keep the fans happy and you can keep the players safe. And hopefully every arena can figure out a way to do that. 
And well, that's, that's got to be hard because you just don't. I mean, yeah, it's easier said than done. You know, you got eight, nine thousand kids trying to rush the court. I mean, yeah. you got a thousand kids. You're not going to have enough security in order yeah. to do that. So. I've seen it. I've seen it. I think it was a Duke game where, or uh, obviously Duke was on the road where the security, they all formed a, basically a wall. It was like a human tunnel where they separated the handshake line from the rest of the court. And they were able to, everyone was able to shake hands while the court rush was going on. I remember okay. seeing that. I don't know if that's possible for every arena, but that was something that I saw. And I thought, Hey, maybe this, maybe this can be done the right way. Well, I agree with you. I want the fans to enjoy themselves, but you have to protect the players. Yes, Absolutely. And we've got a great weekend of basketball coming up. And he is Deion Thomas. I'm Aaron York. We are both on Twitter. I'm Aaron P. York. He is Deion Thomas 25. And you can like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, on Spotify. It's also up on YouTube. You can leave a review on Apple. You can like and subscribe on the YouTube and also, you can go to Believe.com for this podcast, as well as many, many others from around the world of sports. There's a pretty big football game coming up in a week, so they'll probably be talking about that. I haven't really heard of what uh, much of what's going on with that. Ha, ha, ha. But the point is... No one has. Yeah. <laughs> no one's talking about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Nobody. It's, no. No, not at all. Well, I tell you this, Beckfella, it is bourbon and cigar time. So you have a great weekend. Always a pleasure. Always, always a pleasure, Dion. We are out of here. Enjoy the basketball. Peace out. Peace. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.